Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked a young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinero on this Tuesday, July 11. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is a couple of minutes past 10 o'clock right here. We are online on YouTube Live, on Facebook Live, on Twitter Live. And uh, thank you for joining us. It is the Sick Podcast. I am Marinero, brought to you by... La Bitta TB, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bitta TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients, ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TB, embrace your true nature. Also brought to you in part by Playground, your premier gaming destination. I was there earlier today. Open 24-7. Drinks are always free while you play. Um, over 600 machines, poker tournaments, cash games, daily promotions, free valet, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercia Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal Playground. And brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, recently named by Deloitte. CIBC is one of Canada's best managed companies. The country's leading business award recognizing innovative and world-class companies, the best managed Canadian companies. Designation fuels energy's purpose of creating progress for their customers, their employees, and their communities. Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. Without further ado, I bring in a man. Today, we're going to talk about Alex Newhook's contract, which is funny because we talked about it yesterday with Eric Engels. And um, you know what? Before we get to our guest tonight, why don't we actually bring up two clips from last night's podcast? ago that uh, Kent Hughes gave Kirby Doc a four-year deal at $3.363 million per year. Kirby Doc, who was drafted third overall. One year later, the Canadians make a trade. They acquire Alex Newhook, who's also a former first-round pick, but he was drafted 16th overall. His numbers, I mean, his career high is, what, 30, 33 points. I mean, so I don't, I mean, the number I gave you, like, I don't see Alex Newhook getting more than a $3 million, $3 million per season. Good situation for Doc based on what he had produced, you know, lesser numbers in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and a really amazing one for the Canadians based on what their projections were for the player and where they think he would go. Um, I think that's I the know. term that they're, I think that's the term they're targeting, Eric. I think they want to look at a four year deal from the Yeah. Well, if you're yeah. The- and there you have it. 
I think that's what they're looking at, Eric. They're looking at a four-year deal, the same way, uh, the same deal they gave to Kirby Doc. Only difference is that Kirby Doc got $3.363 million, was a former third pick overall, Newhook a former 16th pick overall. And uh, I said Newhook won't get more than $3 million a year. He got 2.9. Thank you very much. Job, Tony. Good job, Tony. I love you, Tony. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. To all my love birds out there, Thunderlips is here in the flesh, baby. Uh, that was um, Hulk Hogan in uh, Rocky Three. All right, bring him in, Stu Cowan. What's going on? I'm doing well, Tony. How are you doing? Very, very well. Very well. Uh, I'm so happy to see. You know what? I haven't seen Agnello and Sammy in quite some time. As a matter of fact, I haven't seen them since they got back from uh, from Orlando. They were at a convention for families of spinal muscular atrophy. Why don't I bring them in, Sammy and Agnello? Let's bring them in. Hey! There they are. Hey. Guarda, Look who's there. Hey, Stu, good luck tonight. It's one of those nights for Tony. <laughs> good luck, my friend. My God, I haven't seen you guys in so long. Sammy, what's going on, buddy? Hi. Big show tonight. Big. Big. Big show tonight. Big show. Hey, I'm happy you guys are on because we're getting such amazing feedback regarding our intro song, and I want to let <laughs> everyone know here's something that you don't know, but Agnello actually came up with like half of the lyrics. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I didn't. There's a couple of lines in there you came up with. No? S-I-C-K. I I was referring to you. So, yeah, that's S-I-C-K on S-I-C-K. Isn't he singing it, Tony? Isn't that Agnello? He's singing it. What is it? Hold on. We'll bring the house down tonight. Well, what is it? Hold on a second. Riding high on this wave of emotion. You know what? I, I can't get it out of my head, Agnello. I don't know how you came up with this, but this is home run, man. Okay, have a great show, guys. Don't where are you going? Why a great show? All right, thanks, buddy. All right, okay, there you have it, Agnello and Samuel. We'll bring them back a little bit later. All right, Stu, I'm happy that you're on because uh, Alex Newhook, uh, of course, the contract was announced earlier this morning by the Canadians. Uh, just a couple of minutes past nine o'clock when they usually make these announcements, by the way. I don't know if you've noticed that, but when they have an announcement yeah. to make the Canadians, it's either at 8.30 a.m. on their Twitter or at 9 a.m. on their Twitter. So this one was made uh, at around 9 or 9.01 or 9.02 or whatever it was. Yeah. There was a, a Zoom call later on this afternoon or later, earlier this afternoon, pardon me, uh, later after the announcement earlier this afternoon, and you were on it. I was, and Alex Newhook uh, sounded, not surprisingly, very excited to get a fresh start, a uh, new team, and he's very, very much looking forward to playing with Marty St. Louis. You know, he only averaged uh, just over 13 minutes of ice time a game with Colorado. He talked about how it was frustrating for him at times in the playoffs as his ice time dropped down to about nine minutes a game. And he said, you know, I'm a competitor. I want to be out there. He was frustrated. He said he thought he should have maybe been given more opportunity, but he also added he probably could have done more with the opportunities he had. But to cut a long story short, it's a young guy looking forward to getting a fresh start. You know, you mentioned with Kirby Doc earlier, very similar scenario with Kent Hughes picking up a guy. With Kenny's now have three first-round picks from that 2019 draft in uh, Doc Caulfield and uh, Newhook. And all around the same age, all obviously very skilled guys, or they wouldn't have been drafted in the first round. Yeah. Reasonable contracts, like reasonable contracts. If, you know, he had 14 goals last season. Uh, if he scores, you know, he's going to get more ice time. Say he scores 18 goals this coming year at 2.9 million. That's not bad. 
No, it's not bad. And I'm going to tell you something, Stu. I've been thinking about this, all right? So every time um, Kent Hughes makes a move, I take a look at it, and I'm like, okay, how did this move come about? What is he thinking? Are there any common denominators here, okay? Yeah. So it's funny because yesterday we talked about Doc's deal, Mm -hmm. a four-year deal coming off of an entry level. And Eric was on yesterday, and Eric said, Tony, this is his opinion. He thought that Newhook was going to sign a three-year deal or a one-year deal. And he said, if I'm Newhook, I sign a one-year deal and I bet on myself. I said, Eric, it's going to be a four-year deal like Doc's. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that on any information, by the way. The only reason why I said that is because there's a common denominator. Doc, out of entry, Newhook, out of entry. He made a trade to get both of them. They're both first-round picks. It's going to be a four-year deal. It worked out. So um, there's a few other things, though. Don't you notice he's going out and acquiring a lot of players that are represented by Cortex Management Mm -hmm. that I, you know, not necessarily that he represented, but, you know, are signed with the same firm. So he knows them like the back of his hand. Yep. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he... um, there's, 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 he knows, he knows that Michael Matheson would be great for the culture here. Yeah. He's known Mike Matheson since he was like 14 or 13 years old. Yeah. And he knows that New Hook would be great for the culture here. So, like you said, and I, I heard you ask him, New Hook, earlier today, what his relationship was with Kent Hughes. But yeah. when he knows an athlete, uh, not only the player, but knows the person. And obviously that person leaves a very good impression on him. Those are the ones he's going out to get. Like he's not only going out to get good hockey players, he's going out to get good people, you know, people that he he thinks could be motivated by coming to the Canadians, whether they're coming home or it's because it's a, it's a fresh start. There's, he's really, you could, you could tell that he's really trying to build something is what I'm getting at. He is. And he's getting guys all around the same age group also. Guys who have a lot in common, guys in the same age group, same interests, same situation, probably no kids or you know girlfriends, whatever. Um, it reminds me of the young Edmonton Oilers. Not that the Canadians are going to be a dynasty, this Canadian team like the Oilers were, but that was the same type of group where they had all these young guys around the same age that grew up together on and off the ice. And Ken Hughes has placed an emphasis on character, and that's one of the reasons he mentioned about drafting a Rhinebacker uh, in the first round this year. He's also got a salary cap structure that makes sense. You know, Cole Coffee wasn't going to make more than Nick Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Alex Quick wasn't going to make more than Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc was a third overall, third overall pick. Uh, New York was a lot later. It was 16th, I think it was. Um, so he has a structure in place, of, and you're not going to make more than this. And uh, that's the way it worked out there. And it, it makes total sense. And I think players understand that. Players are sort of buying into the team concept here. Cole Caulfield really wanted to stay in Montreal. Um, you know, Nick Suzuki want to stay in Montreal. He signed obviously before Ken Hughes got here. Um, Kirby Dodd, they, they're getting guys. Uh, Ken Hughes knows this market, he understands Montreal, and he's getting guys that he thinks or believes will be able to handle everything that comes with playing with the Montreal Canadiens. When it comes to you know the, the mental ability to to deal with the media pressure and yeah. the flight and not being able to go anywhere in town without being recognized, and all that stuff plays into it. 
And, you know, you go back and, you know, look at the Jonathan Drouin situation. Jonathan Drouin wasn't ready to handle everything in Montreal. He really no, wasn't. No, no, no. And, and it weighed him down. And, and, and that's, that wouldn't shock me if Jonathan Drouin goes to Colorado and has a good season next year. So the, the, he's, he, he realizes what it takes, um, not just on the ice, but off the ice in this market. And he's getting guys that he thinks are good people that can handle it. I remember speaking with Mike Matheson at the end of last season, and there had been a report that he was going to be traded before the trade deadline. And I asked him if it bothered him. And he basically was telling me, I avoid social media. I don't even look at it. I don't think about it. I hear things from yeah. friends and family and stuff. But he says, I just tune it out and I go home and I spend time with my wife and my kids. And those are the guys that they want to build this team around. And for being in the locker room on a regular basis or a day-to-day basis during the season, is really noticeable. I've mentioned this before, that this team is a brotherhood within this team. These guys really like each other. They really get along well on and off the ice. And I think that's important when you're building a team, and especially when you're rebuilding a team. And there's going to be some tough times, and the Kings have already gone through some tough times in this rebuild. They'll go through some more this coming season. But they've got a good group of guys that want to play for each other. They want to fight for each other. And they want to play for the coach. We saw that last season. This team never gave up. There's maybe two games all year where maybe it looked like they – and there's more or less near the end of the season. But they, they, they played hard. They enjoy the style of play the coach wants to play. And they think that Alex Newhook, with his speed and the style of game he plays, that he'll fit in well here. And given the Newhook talked about this in the Zoom conference today too, the ability to play without that fear of making mistakes. And as he said, you know, when you're playing in Colorado and you're fighting for the Western Conference Championship and you're defending Stanley Cup champ, there's a lot less tolerance for errors uh, on that team as opposed to what there will be with the Canadians moving forward. And he's a young guy, and he's going to learn from his mistakes. He's going to be allowed to make more mistakes here than he was in Colorado. He's going to get more ice time. Uh, He can play center. He can play wing. He can play power play. He can play PK. When the season starts, they're going to play the heck out of him. And it's up to him to take advantage of this opportunity, and we'll find out if he can. There's no doubt the talent's there, though. He's a skilled player. Yeah, and there's there's another thing about um, that I think Hughes is doing, all right? And you just talked about it when you said when they went out, they traded for Newhook. They're acquiring a lot of players that are first-round players. Yeah, they've got a ton. And if you take a look at that Colorado team that won the Cup, okay, that Colorado team that won the Cup, they had um, Bowen Byram, that was a first-round pick, Alex Newhook, that was a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Kale McCarr, that was a first-round pick. Um, they had uh, they had Miko Rantanen, who's a first-round pick. They had um, Nathan McKinnon, who's a first-round pick. They had Gabriel Landeskog, who's a first-round pick. Uh, I believe they had uh, Nichushkin as well, mm-hmm. who was a first-round pick from uh, Nichushkin, I believe, was a first-round pick. They had Eric Johnson on that team. Eric Johnson was a first-round pick. And a lot of players who are first-round picks, and I think the Canadians are trying to do the same thing. I think they're trying to acquire many players of which were drafted in the first round. Yep. And uh, look, if you think about it, if you think about it, it's so simplistic, but yet it makes so much sense. Well, the, the, you know, the, the best players, too, pardon me, the best players are usually the players that are drafted in the first round. 
Yeah. Well, you know, people in Montreal, when the Carolina went and got Kotkaniemi, that's what they were doing, right? A kid who was a first-round pick that they thought, it, still a young kid, that they saw potential there, that he can maybe in a new environment, he can become a better player. And we'll find out as he moves forward, maybe he will. Maybe one day the Canes fans will look back and go, wow, Kotkaniemi, maybe we should have kept them. Maybe that won't happen. We'll see. With these kids, it's easy to forget just how young they are. You, know, you don't, you don't, first round picks don't lose their talent. You know, your first round pick, you're one of the top 32 players in your age group in the world. You're a talented hockey player. Sometimes it's, as we talked before, there's character issues or, or maturity issues. And sometimes it's just, you know, as Marty St. Louis said, when they got Alex Newhook, he's going to get a better chair with the Canadians. Sometimes you just, you know, your first round pick, you've been a, playing a top line player everywhere you go. You get up to the NHL. Now all of a sudden you're a fourth liner and some guys can't adjust to it and, and plays with their mind and they can't, you know, they can't fit that role. Um, so now with Alex Newhook, he's going to get a chance here to play in the top two lines without a doubt to start the season. As I said, it's up to him to make the most of it. But for a young guy like that, again, it's easy to forget how young these guys are. He's 22 years old. Uh, Kirby and, and we Marty St. Louis already, even though he's only been here for a season and a bit, he has a proven track record with what he's been able to do with Kirby Doc and Cole Caulfield and guys in Raphael Harvey Panarin when he got called up. He's able to mm-hmm. get the most out, out of talented players. And Harvey Panarin wasn't a first-round pick. He was a seventh-round pick or a fifth-round pick, wherever he was. But he's able to get the best talent out of these guys. And it's a little bit easier because, you know, as, as Newhook said this morning, the Canadians, he, he, in a rebuilding phase, you can allow your players to make more mistakes. But that's a good – so bring in young players, let them make all their mistakes when they're 22, 23, and then two, three years down the road in this rebuild when they're 25, 26, those mistakes will be limited because they will have learned from them. But to be given that opportunity to be allowed to make mistakes, which I think was one of the biggest things that handcuffed the Canadians or hurt the Canadians in their development of previous first-round picks is these guys were never allowed to play without that fear of making mistakes. You know, when Victor Mete got to, left Montreal and he talked about you know, having a coach down your – back all the time and all the time and it just wait you're, you're gripping the stick too tight it's hard to play so you know again i just think it's, it's yeah gordon and hughes and st louis are all on the same page they all have a plan they're not rushing anything so you know two years from now if we're here talking about alex newhook he won't be allowed or, or, or the mistakes he makes will be maybe punished more than they're going to be next season yeah it's all about rebuilding and growing and letting these players grow and letting them have fun playing have fun playing as a group. And I think that's a big, big part of, of the plan for this rebuild that Ken Hughes has. All right. So uh, I know you asked him about his relationship with Kent Hughes. <clears throat> Talk to us. Yeah. Well, he said that uh, he was with Cortex. He said Hughes wasn't his direct agent, although he no. was, he was uh, with the agency. He talked about how he played with uh, Kent Hughes' son, Riley, when he was in uh, the BC hockey league with Victoria Grizzlies. And that's the year that Newhook won the scoring championship. He had, 38 goals, 102 points in 53 games. Oh, yeah. So Hughes knows him very well. He played university hockey in Boston, so yeah, you would have seen him there. So he's a player that Kent Hughes has seen play. His son's played with him, uh, knows what he was like in the room. I'm sure Kent Hughes would ask his son, was this kid good in the room? What was he like? Kent Hughes does his – Oh, for he, sure, yeah. When he, when he went and got Mike Matheson, even though he's known Mike Matheson since he was 13 years old, he called Chris Letang and asked him, questions about what he was like in Pittsburgh and stuff like that. Kenny Hughes is a really smart guy. Smart guy. And he does his homework. And um, Paul Capizano's his agent, by the way, of Cortex. He does his, Kenny Hughes does his homework, does his homework on people. And uh, um, as I said, he's a smart guy. You can, it, and with new hook, he figures this is a guy who's, and he mentioned this when he first made the trade, he's a guy who's going to fit in the locker room really well. 
uh, be a part of the team. And again, as I said, a, a valuable guy for Marty St. Louis and that he can play center. He can play wing power play penalty kill. And I think he's going to be given an opportunity to do all those things. I'm sure uh, early in the season and it'll be up to him to see uh, how it goes moving forward. All right. Okay. Uh, let's uh, bring up a couple of clips or so. Uh, let's one clip at a time. Let's bring up a clip Alex Newhook earlier today. I mean, obviously I, you know, want to be playing in the playoffs and, and want to be able to, you know, be a contributor to a team, um, you know, when it's most important. And um, it's tough when you're playing six, seven minutes a night um, in the most important games. And um, I'm a competitor. I, I want to be in those situations. I want to be trusted to play in those situations. And, um, that part was definitely frustrating for me. I'm not going to say it, it wasn't, uh, you know, some part of it probably, you know, had to do with my play. But uh, at the same time, we did bring in some guys at the, at the deadline, which kind of pushed me down a little bit. And, um, you know, I thought before we brought some guys in, I was playing well and was getting trusted in some of those situations. We brought some older guys in, which, you know, obviously a lot of teams do when going into uh, playoff runs and uh, maybe maybe brought down my time a little bit. But, you know, I, I still think probably could have done a bit more with, with what I was given and, um, you know, not going to kind of push that on, on anyone else, but, um, yeah, I think definitely, uh, could have got a bit more opportunity and then could have done a bit better with, with. All right. Okay. Let's, uh, let's bring up if we can hockey DB, uh, Alex Newhook and the stats that he's put up up until now. We have it. There we go. Okay. So, uh, Newhook 14 goals, 16 assists. 30 points in 82 games. And the season before that, he had 33 points in 71 games. So his production went down. Um, usually, when you're a young player, you break into the league and you end up doing a little bit better, a little bit better. Uh, his production went down by three points. Mind you, he played 11 less games. Let's say, probably when all is said and done, you average it up, probably would have been six or seven points. Does this worry you? No, I mean, look a little further back there or further up there, Tony. You know, I mentioned that season with the Victoria Grizzlies when he played with Ken Hughes' son, you know, 153 yeah. games. But then as a freshman at Boston College, he was over a point a game. Those you know, are great numbers. That's not an easy league to score in no, a freshman year. Right? A freshman kid coming into that at 18 years old playing against men, uh, those are impressive numbers. And again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the chair you're in. I mean, he was obviously, he was played a lot when he was in Boston, uh, Boston college or in that ice time. And he's going to get a chance to do that here again. So it's, you know, playing on the third line or whatever he was in Colorado and getting 13 minutes of ice time. It's hard. And, and playing with that fear of making mistakes on a third line, you're going out there more or less trying not to get scored on than you are trying to score yourself third, fourth line guy. And it's going to be a different situation for him here in Montreal. He'll be, he'll yeah. be for him to produce points. So, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the skill is there. He's only 22 years old. I mean, that that season was like four years ago. It's not, it's yeah. not a long, long time ago. Obviously, it wasn't in the NHL. But to me, the, the numbers that jump out there is just as how the numbers he put up as a freshman in NCAA hockey, uh, that's pretty impressive. And that's yeah. a big, you know, first-round draft. You know, I, I saw something on social media. I don't know if it was today or yesterday. I thought it was a little bit unfortunate. Um, you had basically a tweet of someone putting all the players that some of the teams in the Atlantic acquired and stuff like and and basically saying that Kent Hughes has not done enough this offseason. But, folks, you have to compare apples with apples and oranges with oranges. Like, don't mix the two here. So the Canadians are a team that has been in a rebuild, all right? Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, they've done it slowly but surely. 
They've only had now, one season of that rebuild, too. Correct. Yeah. And now the next, you know, the next phase that they're going to go into is going to be the phase where uh, there's going to be some expiring contracts, mm-hmm. and then the phase where they're going to try and part ways with some bad contracts, and who knows, maybe even buy out a player in the next year. And then after that, the phase that they're going to be in after that is probably going to be the phase where they're going to go out an unrestricted free agency and they're going to try and do something to try and turn the corner. So, you know, Kent Hughes, I mean, how many bad moves has he made? Really, I don't think he's made no. many still. No, and he's not panicking. You know, you mentioned like Joel Armia. You know, I wrote a piece on Owen Beck earlier this week that the Canes would probably love to get Owen Beck in the lineup this year. They wouldn't, you know, if he shows up at camp. But you, you know, you got Yol Armia there, and and you know, people say, "Well, just buy him out." Well, you know, buying him out that carries on a few more years down the road when you're the the, the heart of this rebuild, and then you're still carrying dead money on your cap. Um, so they're not rushing to do anything. It, they have they have a plan. They have it in place, as I mentioned earlier. So you know, it's only one full year into this re- rebuild. They're not in a rush to do this kind of stuff, and and we've seen that in, in the moves that uh, Kent Hughes has done. And the moves that he hasn't done, you know, and and there's a, there's a plan and there's a strategy moving forward, and they're not going to rush it. Like they're they're not going to, as he said, I'm not going to jeopardize the future for a quick fix that might get us into the playoffs this season. You know, they, they're not going to they're not going to make uh, they're not going to give up prospects. They're not going to uh, you know pay like Dubois. That's why you know he went to LA. Yeah. Kent Hughes wasn't willing to pay the price that the LA Kings did. I think he was yeah. smart enough to pay that price. I think he was smart too. Stage. At this stage in the rebuild. I don't think it made it any sense to give up that much for one guy who's not a superstar player. He's a good NHL player, but he's not a superstar player. So I think I think he was smart to to not do that. Sometimes James, some of the best moves James make are the moves they don't make, and I think that was smart for him not to make that move in this stage of the rebuild. Yeah, no, no. I listen. I agree with you hundred percent on that. And Pierre Luc Dubois might help the Los Angeles Kings uh, get over the hump. He might help them win the Stanley Cup. I wish for him, but. Mm-hmm. You know, the price to pay was a lot. Yeah, well, a lot. And by the way, it was eight and a half million in Los Angeles. He probably would have won a nine here. Yeah, and and you know, people talk about. Uh, I've had people email me saying, "Oh, the Kings lost the Arturi Lekkinen trade." You know, they went and won the gold. No, not, we'll see. Justin Barron. If Justin Barron turns into be a solid NHL defenseman, a top four defenseman, the Canadians made that trade for the future, and Colorado, Colorado made that trade for the present. I worked out perfect for Colorado. They yeah. won the cup. But the Canadians weren't looking to win the cup when they made that trade. They were looking for the future. And we'll see how Justin Barron yeah. develops. And, you know, five years from now, uh, Justin Barron's a top pairing defenseman with the Canadians. You could say, well, the Canadians and the Canadians are in a Stanley Cup. You say the Canadians won the deal. So it's a you know, pa- patience is a virtue, as they say. And, yeah. uh, and, and Kent Hughes has a lot of it. And as I said, him and Gorton and Marty St. Louis are all on the same page. It's have a, they have a patient coach, too, who's not just looking to win games. Uh, to save his job, he realizes that his job is safe and he's doing what the management team wants him to do. And I'm going to tell you something about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, you know, th- there was a quote, I saw this, and I think he was interviewed a couple of days ago, and he said, uh, you know, the second Los Angeles got into the picture, it made it a very, very easy decision. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And sometimes the truth shall set you free because, you know, that's the truth because – for a while here, a while, five or six months, we've been hearing he wanted to come to the Montreal Canadiens so badly. Mm-hmm. But now he says, well, the second that Los Angeles showed interest, I mean, it became a very easy decision. 
So how badly did you want to be a Montreal Canadian? Well, an agent. You know, uh, you know, you know a lot of Quebec-born players, Stu, I'll yeah. just finish with this. They either, A, use the Montreal Canadiens for leverage, yeah. or they say how much they want to play for the Montreal Canadiens. So if there's no other interest anywhere else, they know that at the worst-case scenario, they're going to end up you know, getting a deal with the Canadiens. Maybe he always wanted to go to L.A. He told his agent, Pat Brisson, that. Pat Brisson sort of let that slip thing that, oh, he'd love to play in Montreal drive up the value of and, and the fact the situation he was in, he could have become an unrestricted free agent in a year from now and come to Montreal and drove his value up. So if that's what Brisson did, or if that's what they did, and he originally wanted to end up in LA, the plan worked perfectly for him. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's brilliant in that regard. Yeah. All right, okay. Um, I think it's a great number. I think it's a great number. Four-year deal at yeah. 2.9. Uh, once again, let's bring up his chart on HockeyDB.com. Well, if he if he repeats what he did last season, and you figure he's going to get more points just because he had more opportunity. If he has, he had thirty points last season. If he had, if he, let's say, he gets forty points next season, that's that's not horrible for two point nine million dollars. It's great. A point you know I mean? get game ten more points than he did this season. Playing, you know, let's say he goes from thirteen minutes a game to seventeen or whatever it might be. That's not a bad season, you know. And and, and it's as I said, you know, it's uh, you'll. I'd rather have. Alex Newhook at two point nine million, then you'll Army at three point four million. I'm I'm thinking about Army already back with the Canadians next year, and I'm getting anxiety. I'm wondering, you know what, Tony? I, I was somebody I was talking with a friend today about this. I'm wondering if the Canadians might just put him in Laval. Like I like I don't know what they gain at this point moving forward having Yolarmia taken up. I mean, he is who Whoa. he is. We've seen him. Mozitou more now, Stu. Laval. I, I, I was, I, I, what is like, I, I, we, we Yola Armia is who he is. We know who he is. He, he'll play great for two games and he'll disappear. Like, or, I think not to start the season, but I mean, if they, let's say Owen Beck goes down to Laval and he's lighting it up and he's playing really great, do you not want to bring him up and put him in this environment to play with young guys where you can make mistakes and learn and develop? Yola Armia is not part of the future of this rebuild. No, obviously not. Yeah. Obviously not. Army. So, uh, the, the ice time you're giving him moving forward, uh, with, with two more years left on his contract, is ice time that you're taking away. That's hurting your rebuild. Is what it's doing because he's not gonna. You know, they're not. It's not like they're gonna resign him when this contract is up. No, but uh, you know, if he's a player that at the deadline, when he's got nothing left on his contract that you want to deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously you're obviously hurting his stock by sending him to Laval, big time. Yeah, well, but it's it's less punitive moving forward, salary cap wise, than buying him out. So, who would you see in his spot, Yelonen? Well, it's 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 tough to say at this point. I mean, they, there's got so many forwards that are up there now, and uh, Yelonen, you got one. Like I said, I don't see it happening at the beginning of the season. But if the season goes on, as I mentioned, and if Yol Army isn't producing and he isn't he's the Yol Army that we've seen for the last few years, apart from that one playoff run when he was playing with uh, Stahl and Corey Perry, and I still think Corey Perry might have put the fear of God into him yeah. uh, to make him play the way he did, um, then I, you know, what do you do? Do you, do, you, do you keep the young guy down there and keep playing Yol Army? Taking, or do you, do you make a change? It's a, it would be a tough decision to make at that point, but it wouldn't shock me if that happened. They're, uh, I, I hate the term, but I'll use it anyway because I can't think of another one right now, but they're carrying some dead weight, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's 
you know, that, 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 you know, there's some fat that's good for you on some food and there's some fat that's not good. And they're going to have to cut into the fat, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and Armia, you're right. He's, he's part like of he's that, not, that weight. Unfortunately, he's not going to be here in two years, no matter what. Like, no, 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 no. So, was, so again, the ice time that he's taking and I mean, as I said, to me, he is who he is. Like the old army we're going to see next season, the same old army we saw last season and the year before. Most frustrating guy to watch because you see, you know, you see him at practice and all the skill and the talent level he has and everything else, but he just doesn't doesn't bring it right. And um, so, like, do you want that guy? Do you want that? If, if there's a player in the NHL who looks really ready and hungry to come to the NHL, yeah, are you not better to give that guy the ice time? On Owen Beck, as I mentioned before, then yeah, I'll tell you what the good news is for the Montreal Canadiens this year. Final year here for Mike Hoffman. And I thought about this. I've thought about this, and it's kind of crazy. But hear me out, Stu. Hear me out. He's the guy until the trade deadline that I'm playing with Caulfield and Suzuki. Well, that's the difference between one year on the contract and two, right, Tony? If Hoffman, if you can get Hoffman going and get him scoring, you'll get something for him at the trade deadline. I I don't know. Like, do you think Yule Army, if you give him a lot of ice time, is going to score twenty five goals this year? No, no, I don't. But once again, Army has got a couple of years left on the deal, yeah. and Mike Hoffman's got one year left. Exactly, on the deal. that's a difference. It's night and day. That's that's but to me that's, that's the difference. Whereas you 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 can there's a chance you would get something decent for Hoffman if he's playing at the trade deadline. He he's he. For a team that needs some power play help, or a guy who just needs that, that guy with the shot that, that can score goals, he, he you know we're talking really about filling yeah. the chair. He can fill that chair, um, and that could be enticing. And, and yeah. some team might be willing to overpay for that at the trade deadline and with, with with the contract ending at the end of the season. And um, okay, so uh, Paulo Junior says, "Tony, you're nuts." Uh, Ryan Baker says, "Too small of a line, folks. Hear me out." I don't want Hoffman on this team, not in my world. But Kent Hughes is going to try and monetize here. That's what you do. When you have players that are not in your plans, you try and put them in a winning situation to raise their value as much as you can and then uh, cash in. His time to cash in is at the trade deadline. If Mike Hoffman at the trade deadline has 20 goals they're going to get something really good for him they're going to get a really good pick for Mike Hoffman if he's got 20 goals at the deadline yeah no and, and another guy another guy's in that same boat is is Monahan Monahan's got one year on the deal mm-hmm. we know he can play center and wing yeah. and you know what rotate rotate if you have to between Monahan and Hoffman. There's nobody else that they have at the forward position that will have one year left on their term that they're going to look to deal at the deadline. Those are the two guys. Well, Monahan's in the exact same situation now as he was at this point last season. Correct. Much lower cap hit. Same situation. Habs are hoping he plays really well, can do a lot of things, and at the trade deadline, you move him. And uh, with a much lesser cap hit this time. And, And if he can stay healthy... I think he's going to produce. I mean, he's shown that he was, he was, he was really good last year before he got hurt. The big question, big, big, big question is can yeah. Sean Monahan stay healthy, but you're right. Those are two guys moving forward. If you're going to get something at this upcoming trade, the trade deadline, they've already moved Joel Edmondson. 
that's that's those are the two forwards that you're looking at. Yeah, somebody just asked me what um, what uh, Hoffman's salary is. Hoffman was signed by Mark Bergevin a three years at four point five million per year. So, last year of a deal at four point five million per year. We'll continue to monitor that situation. I'm Marinaro. A shout out, of course, to Murphy Clinic and MurphyClinic.ca. We give them a uh, a shout out right now. They're an aesthetic clinic specializing in uh, medical aesthetic care. They offer permanent laser hair removal as well as a wide range of treatments for skin problems such as acne, rosacea, fine lines, and more. Visit murphyclinic.ca. They have uh, two locations, by the way, uh, one in Montreal, Shopangus, and uh, the other one on the North Shore, and uh, one to come in Quebec City in uh, not so long. Now, Hoffman, right. Hoffman's the fifth highest paid forward on the Canadians. Fifth highest paid forward on the Canadians. Yeah. Yeah. So Caulfield's more. Suzuki, Suzuki, yeah. Caulfield, and, Gallagher, and Anderson are ahead of them. Suzuki, Caulfield, Gallagher, and, and yes, and Dvorak's just behind them. Yeah, Dvorak's just behind them. All right, okay. Uh, so where do you see uh, where do you see uh, back to Newhook here? Because we got off of that for a while. Where do you see uh, Newhook fitting in, center or wing? Let's start uh, with that. I think they're going to put him on the wing. I oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I just I I I I, I think you know I. I Suzuki's going to be at center. I think Monahan's going to be at center. I think Doc's going to be at center. And then I think you're going to have Jake Evans as, as most likely as your fourth line center. Okay. And who's he going to play with? That's a good question. Um, you can see him maybe with Kirby Doc. I think Doc will probably be the second line center. And then on the right wing, maybe Gallagher. No, but that's, that's to me, that could be a possibility. I think, you know, I, I haven't totally given up on Brandon Gallagher. Um, I think if he, he's healthy, he played well at the beginning of last you're, season. You're a real loyal guy, Stu. You're a real loyal guy. It's very well, I'm not, by not giving up, I'm saying, like, I, I, he's not going to score 30 goals again. But um, 20, I wouldn't be shocked if he scored 20 goals. I, but it's it's just, it's, God love him. We know that he's paid for what he did in the past, but it's 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 laborious to watch him. Well, you got to remember, it's, it's like he—it's like he's—he's—he's he's, he's running on fumes. Well, he was trying—he was playing on a broken ankle, and then when he came back, he told me he had skated, I think, twice before he played the first game. When he came back, his foot was in a cast, so it's not—he wasn't riding a stationary bike, he wasn't jogging, he wasn't doing anything as far as cardio training with your foot in a cast. So to come back and play the way he did, I thought was impressive at the end of the season for a guy who basically. Yeah. Again, hadn't skated, hadn't ridden a stationary bike, hadn't ran, hadn't been able to do any of that cardiovascular works. So yeah, it, it, he did look like he was laboring because he was. Yeah, but, you know, but he, he, he still, still he won't be able to keep up with players that can fly. He just won't. No, I mean, well, it's gonna. Well, it'll be more difficult. But you know, you look at who they have moving down. I mean, I don't think they're gonna. They're not gonna put Brandon Gallagher down on the fourth line not to start the season anyway. And uh, I, I'm not so sure about that, Stu. I think, look, for example, let's just say, let's just say your centers are Suzuki. Mm-hmm. But the other right wingers, who are you going to put there? I mean, Anderson, you play okay. left or right. You move okay. There. Okay. So let, let's just say for the sake, let's just, let's take a look at different scenarios. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's go with one scenario where your four centermen are Suzuki, Monaghan, Dvorak, and Jake Evans. Mm-hmm. Is that possible? Yeah, that's so. Yeah, perfect. That's I think we can. Okay, so 
Caulfield and Doc are wingers. I, yeah, I, Doc. I'm not. I, I wonder if they're going to put Doc on the top line with Suzuki and Caulfield again. Well, look, that, yeah. that would you know if if those other guys are going to be your centermen, that that yeah. obviously makes the yeah. most sense because they hit it off and they did great. Okay, yeah. I was just talking about Hoffman because I'm trying mm-hmm. to increase his value as much yeah. as we can. Okay, yeah. So now, anyway, so let's just say Doc and Caulfield are on a Hoffman and Anderson, mm-hmm. Alex Newhook, and Slavkovsky. Mm-hmm. You don't think they're ahead of Brendan Gallagher? In terms of maybe not better than him right now, but maybe in terms of just getting the ice, you don't think that those guys are ahead of him? Slavkowski's a, a big question mark for me going into this season again. Again? Like, but what are we going to do? We're going to keep him on the fourth line all year? Or going to play, you know? Well, played a hell out of him in Laval. You know, that's what they should. I thought they should have done at some point last yeah, year. Yeah, me too. Me but, too. Or at least I thought they should have sent him to the World Junior. So, like, yeah, me too. If, if he looks as lost as he did last season at times, do you keep him here again? Or no, that, that's so uh, Slavkowski. I still, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting to see something that really makes you go, wow, this guy was the number one pick. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? That, that wow factor hasn't been there, at least for me, that uh, apart from the fact he's so friggin' big. Yeah. Um, but Stu, out of you know, I, I know you're very high on the management team, and you know mm-hmm. I am too. And yeah. um, if there's one thing more so than anything else that I disagree with in terms of their decisions, it would be that I would have sent them to the World Juniors last year, mm-hmm. and after the World Juniors, I would have sent them to Laval. Yep, yep, that's exactly. The, that's the one thing more than anything else where. You know, and I, I understand the whole, uh, you know, the highway and the freeway and the, the service road and all that stuff, that analogy that Kent Hughes gave last year. Yeah. But um, I, I just think that it was obvious that the play was pretty quick for Slavkowski. It was <coughs> obvious that he had a couple of bad habits of putting his head down. And in this league, there's no time or space. And uh, I thought he was vulnerable because yep. of it. And I thought he needed to play in a league where he had more time and space. And if he would have, it would have increased his confidence. Yep. Instead, I know what they were doing. They were trying to get him accustomed to playing with, in the league that had no time and space. But it was just, I thought it was counterproductive. The game was too quick for him and the smaller rank. And, you know, look at what they did with Massara. They sent Massara to the OHL and they really didn't, you know, the, the, the Rob Rammers were saying at the dump, they really didn't care how many points Massar got this season playing in the juniors. It was all about adjusting to the smaller rink, adjusting to life in Canada, adjusting to all the changes coming from coming over here. And then you compare that with what happened with Slavkovsky. And Massar talked about how when he went to the world juniors and, you know, Slavkovsky would have been playing with them on the same team and about what a great experience it was for him and how tight that team was. And all these guys who grew up together and had played together at different championships, you know, they lost to Canada on that Connor Bedard overtime goal. Um, it would have been, a, to me, yeah. Yeah, I think you're cutting out there. You sound like a great RPG experience. For okay, it's better. He would have been on the number one line. He would, have, right. he would have been with the guys, that, the kids that he grew up with playing on the same team. Again, I think it just would have been a really good experience for him. And, you know, they could have sent them down. So we're sending you there that for experience. We want you to go finish. And, and uh, but they didn't do that. I think I, I agree with you, though, Tony. I think that was a mistake. Jose Levesque says lay off of Slavkowski. He's only 18 years old, Stu. Oh, I, I, I like Slavkowski. I don't know if he's talking to you or me or just people in general. I, I, like people say, I, I really like Slavkowski as a kid. I just I don't think the Canes did him a favor 
by I, I, I think he would have been better off, you know, play his nine, 10 games in Canadians or even keep him until the World Juniors. Yeah. And, uh, send, him down, send him to the World Juniors and let him, you know, get his confidence back. Let him touch the puck more. Let him play on the yeah. power play all the time. Let him do all that stuff. They probably thought that it would have hurt his confidence by sending a first pick overall to the American Hockey League because most first picks overall don't play in the American Hockey League in year one. That's number one. Number two, look, not to say that the management team cares about what people say or their fan base say, Mm -hmm. but this is a market where the management team in the past has cared about what the fans say. And they hosted the draft last year. And this guy was not a unanimous pick. He was for them. They Mm -hmm. picked him. I think they were worried about some of the reaction had they done so. But once again, only time will tell. If this guy stays here, works out here, he ends up exploding in year three or year four, he might have exploded anyway. But if he ends up delivering at that point, the fact they didn't send them down, we, yeah. we can't say nothing really. You know? no, I totally understand why they kept them here. Like I totally understand. He's number one pick, draft was in Montreal, and they should have started him here. See how we can do. Throw him out there. Let him see uh, how he does. But he, he as I said, there's just there was – he looked lost at times, and he just looked like he couldn't keep up. The game was yeah. just moving too fast. And it's interesting because Monaghan, that game in Calgary that he played, the first game with the broken foot, and in, uh, he played on the line with Slavkovsky, and after the game talking with Slavkovsky, and he talked about how much he liked playing with Monaghan because he slowed the game down for him. He was able to control the puck and slow yeah. it down a little bit. So, you know, we were talking about the lines going into the season. Slavkovsky maybe put him with Monaghan again. If that was the case, if Monaghan could slow the game down for him. And yeah, yeah. Gallagher with Kirby Doc, if Gallagher's Doc has that ability too, when he gets a puck into the zone, he can control it and sort of slow things down, slow the pace down a little bit also. Hey, and Andy, how many times have you used that pool yet this summer? I've been using it a lot the last little while, I'll tell you that. Really? Yeah. I was in it, uh, I took my dog for a walk before I came on here with you, and I jumped in the pool before I, I got on here. Yeah, does the dog ever jump in the pool with you? No, it's funny. I got a, it's, we've had her since December. Okay. Uh, a lab, I had a lab years ago that uh passed away about five years ago yeah <laughs> excuse me <laughs> excuse me i've had i've had the only two labs in the world who don't like water is that right eh funny i brought her in the pool when we first uh, began the summer and she didn't really like it and she hasn't really gone back in since so I, it's so rare because labs usually love water but uh, i've had two and neither of them are big uh, big water dogs so how do you know she doesn't like it she wants to get out is that it or type yeah, of thing yeah, or? In and then we put a gate and you leave the gate open she could jump in if she wants and she's got no interest Wow. Okay. Everybody else I know has labs. They would be diving in the pool. So it's, all right. I, I hope for you that uh, you can use that pool a lot more often this summer. I, I, I it's calling for a very hot August and September. Mm-hmm. But uh, so on days where it's not that nice, I will uh, pick up the phone and give you a call and say, Stu, I hope you could join me on the Sick Podcast. Uh, I don't think you've ever refused. Actually, uh, maybe once or twice because you had the uh, you know something already planned. You had an outing. You had to take the misses out on a date. I totally understand that, mm-hmm. but. Thank you very much. Even under short notice. I appreciate it, Stu. Thanks, man. Hey, Tony, my pleasure, buddy. All right, we'll talk to you soon. There you have it, the Sick Podcast, another edition on this Tuesday night. Once again, it's a little less than an hour. We're probably at around 50 minutes or so. But like I said, one of the things I told you was we're going to go all summer, uh, but we just won't always go for one hour because obviously there's, you know, there's sometimes a little bit of a shortage of things to talk about. And, uh, and, you know, and... But there's always something to talk about. That's that's the best part. And it's such a nice night that, uh, you know, after the podcast, I'm going to go out and uh, you know what? I'm going to go into my spa. Who knows? Maybe I'll go on social media and you can see me there. Marinero, the sick podcast. And once again, special thanks to all of you watching on YouTube Live, on Facebook Live, and on 
Twitter Live. If you haven't joined us on Facebook yet, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, uh, please do so. Thank you very much for that. And if you uh, listen to us on Google, Apple, or Spotify, leave us a five-star review if you can. It's our way of feeling your love. Thank you very much to our sick community. I read all of your messages tonight. Live is the only way, Tony. My opinion. This coming in from six and a third. Six and a third. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Listen, uh, for the most part, most of them, most of them are live. During the hockey season, they're always live. In the summer, it depends. If our collaborators are going to have people over and they're going to have a barbecue, this, that, or whatever, or they're going to go out and they're going to go for an ice cream or they're going to go visit somebody, and the only time we can get them on is at 8 p.m. instead of 10 p.m., well, I'm going to do it at 8 p.m. so that we can bring you some quality content. So it's better uh, some quality content that's not live from time to time than no content at all. Double shift your best players. Yes, Mike, double shift your best players. Peter and Coach St. Luke, I'll never forget it. 2021 playoffs, the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs in round one. Nobody gave the Canadians a chance. Nobody. The day before game one, Peter calls me on my radio show and he says, here's the deal. All the Montreal Canadiens have to do is double shift their best players. I said, really? Yeah. The Canadians did not double shift their best players and they went down three games to one. Before game five, Peter calls me back And he says, I told you, they have to double shift their best players. You know what happened in game five, six, and seven? The Canadians went down to 4D. Weber, Petrie, Sherratt, and Edmondson. They won game five in Toronto on a goal by Nick Suzuki. They won game six in Montreal in overtime. They won game six in Montreal also in overtime on a goal by Jesperi Kakanyemi. And they won game seven in Toronto. Three to one. Double shift your best players. The shirt was made, and the rest is history. To Peter and Coach St. Luke, one of my greatest friends in the whole world. From Yellow and Savvy at Master Control, I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.